Welcome to Liberty Revealed, the only show where you will learn about all things liberty. Your host for the show is a registered libertarian who's been involved in politics for more than 25 years. He has a passion for teaching others about the concept of personal liberty. Please welcome your host, Mike Mahoney. I am a big believer in personal liberty. To me, my rights end where your rights begin. What this means is law should ensure that your freedom to live your life as you choose does not impact everyone else's freedom to live their lives as they choose. This is personal liberty. If you want to learn more about personal liberty and get more from this show, sign up to receive my 10-page guide on personal liberty entitled Liberty Revealed. You need to fill out a simple form located at yogispodcastnetwork.com forward slash liberty revealed. That's Y-O-G-I-S podcastnetwork.com forward slash Liberty Revealed. Once you read through that ebook, you are guaranteed to be in a position to apply the philosophy of personal liberty. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Liberty Revealed. I'm Mike Mahoney, your host, and today I have a guest. His name is Ray DeNaro. And he's a candidate for the 47th Assembly District seat in Brooklyn, New York. Now, he ran for city council in New York in 2017. He's been active in politics for the past four years. And Ray wrote an article about why he switched from being a registered Democrat to being a registered Republican. I'll have a link in the show notes. And we're going to touch on that topic a little bit today. But welcome to the show, Ray. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm happy to be on. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. I'm really glad to have you. So... So tell me a little bit about what inspired you to run for assembly in New York. Sure. So, I mean, I ran for the city council seat in 2017, as you uh, as you noted earlier in the introduction. Uh, I am a, a community advocate. Um, my my job is not in politics. I'm actually in the construction business. and um, But I've always wanted a betterment for my community. And uh, I feel that in Brooklyn, there's something called the zombie vote here, uh, where registered Democrats basically take a stranglehold of, uh, of a seat, uh, especially in the assembly where there's no term limits in New York and they hold that seat forever. And they rely on, you know, being a registered Democrat and that the baseline vote is going to come out, which is uh, far greater than the registered Republican baseline vote. I think in my district alone, uh, it's six to one registered Democrat to Republican. And they become very complacent, uh, in that seat. Uh, they are not community oriented. Most of the time, they're just a, a rubber stamp vote in the assembly or in now we have a democratic state senate as well and they're you know other politicians are rubber stamp votes uh for the democratic state senate and they basically just rely on uh rely on the baseline vote like i said um so it, it sort of gave me uh the push to try to get involved and to make a difference uh, i have a you know i'm an italian guy from brooklyn i have a big mouth uh i'm, I'm every stereotype you could think of for, for an italian guy in brooklyn um so i felt that this would be a, a good a career path to me because I can I can actually help people. I'm motivated to help people. Uh, I've I've lived in my community for my whole life. I'm only 28 years old, and uh, and this was a good platform for me to actually get things done. I know how to get things done in the construction industry, which is in New York one of the most uh, ruthless industries, uh, cutthroat industries that you can be involved in. And I said, why not try my hand at at politics? And and so far I'm enjoying it. Um, while I lost in 2017, I, I feel like a movement was started. And uh, I'm excited to bring that into uh, twenty, you know, the election in 2020. Very cool. So, so tell me, like, like, what is the platform you're running on? 
Sure. So my campaign is is very community oriented. Um, like I said, being from Brooklyn, I grew up in a neighborhood where if I walked 10 blocks from my house, I knew my neighbors, uh, they knew me, they knew my family. And I feel that Brooklyn has, uh, for, for several reasons, really, has gotten away from that. Uh, prices, uh, the housing prices have gone through the roof. Uh, no one can really live in our neighborhood anymore. Uh, aesthetically, it's not pleasing at all. Um, our local politicians, frankly, are not paying attention to our community. Um, the sports programs for children have dwindled basically into nothing. Um, where, where all the, you know, when I was younger, I remember politicians pushing these programs and coming to events. And, um, and I mean, that's my, my campaign is very, like I said, very community oriented. Now, as far as, you know, my, how I'm going to vote in the New York State Assembly, I'd be in the minority, but uh, I, I negotiate for a living, right? And if I feel that there's a bill coming out that is, is not uh, up to the standards of, of what my constituents believe, I know that I can, I can persuade other members of the assembly to vote in a just and moral way. And, uh, and I think that's what I'm good at, especially if it's a, in a case where it's going to be a swing vote. Um, so that's, that's basically it. That's, you know, I'm, I'm running as a community oriented guy. I want to do really great things for my community and, uh, and I'm, I'm happy to present that to you. Awesome. That's awesome. So, I mean, like I feel kind of a kinship with you because I also have run for office a couple of times and, uh, how did you feel, you know, like going through a campaign, I'm sure you put in a lot of effort. Um, how did you feel when the results came, came through? So election day was a, was a pretty cool experience. Uh, I, I never really, I've been involved in politics, like you said, for the past four years, I'm, I'm talking just being involved locally with, uh, with the Republican party in Brooklyn since 2015, um, I've always commented on politics since I've you know been 21, 22 years old, as long as I can can really care about politics. Um, but I didn't ever think I was going to get to experience that. And I knew I had an uphill battle in 2017. I was going you know up against a very uh, well-known incumbent. I wouldn't say he was very liked, but a well-known incumbent. And uh, you know we got 30 percent of the vote. Um, I didn't know if I mentioned this to you earlier, but I actually jumped into the race in August and the election was in November. So it's really just you know, oh, three wow. and a half. Yeah. Three and a half short months of campaigning. And in New York City, uh, we have a program for if you run for city office called Matching Funds. Uh, you have to meet, I believe, uh, 100 donations and you need to raise at least ten thousand dollars. And in a month and a half, just off uh, me talking to people and constantly posting on social media about my platform, I was able to achieve that. And that's a big deal as a candidate. It puts you up there. Uh, you know, as a, an actual candidate for public office. So I was able to reach matching funds, which is really important. And we did get 30% of the vote, uh, which we we beat the baseline out by a little bit. Um, if I had more time, I feel I would have done a lot better. And I'm running again because I feel like I should have I should have won that election. And I think I will win this time. Great, great. So um, is this an open seat that you're running for or are you going to be going against an incumbent? So I'm going up against a 24-year incumbent. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, so there's no term limits there on that particular position. In the New York State Assembly, no, there are no term limits. And, uh, and I, you know, I've looked at the numbers in the past. He's very rarely faced, uh, faced a real challenge. Uh, this will definitely be a real challenge for him and, and one that I think eventually he'll succumb to and, and lose this election. Awesome. Well, good luck with that. Um, how do you feel about term limits? I think term limits should be implemented. Absolutely. Um, for the simple fact that 
with with this gentleman that I'm running against, uh, he's he's been there for 24 years. He's become less and less visual in the community, and uh, and I, I don't think you can keep up with you know the changes that happen in your community every decade or so. There are definitely changes. Um, so yeah, I think there I think there needs to be fresh blood um, in the New York State Assembly. I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm running. I do support term limits, even for community boards. I support uh, term limits. Our community board members have been here for some of them for decades. And uh, and I think you I think you need to have a reason to to try to fight for a seat. I think you need fresh blood at times. I think you need positive change. And I think uh, I, I strongly stand for for term limits. Yeah, I think for me, you know, obviously, you know, you're a Republican. I'm a libertarian, and I believe in smaller government. And I think that part of the problem that we have is when we let politicians continually be reelected and reelected and reelected to the same seat. Uh, there's a reason why some people are like this gentleman and sit there for as many years as they do. It's because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, financial uh, gain to be had when you do that. Uh, and that's why I really support term limits as well. I think that that's really the only way to keep the corruption at a minimum. I don't think it eliminates it, but it definitely helps. So, so tell me a little bit, like, like how, what are some major issues in the district that you're running in? So, so Brooklyn and, uh, and our neighbor, Staten Island, have a huge uh, opioid problem at the moment. Um, opioid deaths are, are actually running rampant. It's actually one of the reasons I, I decided to run for public office in 2017. Uh, I had a number of, of close friends, uh, family friends, um, actually die from, from heroin overdoses. And I felt that no one was really speaking up about the issue. Um, the, we have Mayor Bill de Blasio here. I know you're out in California, and I don't know if you know yeah. about Mayor Bill de Blasio, um, but his uh, his way of, of fixing this problem is actually opening our heroin injection facilities in our city where people can shoot up heroin supervised so that if something does happen, somebody's nearby with Narcan. Um, that's putting a old, dingy, wet Band-Aid on a, on a huge problem. Um, I don't think that the rehabilitation facilities in Brooklyn, in Staten Island are, are properly staffed. I think they're underfunded. And I think it's going to take someone like me to actually walk into these facilities because I've done it before. I've walked right in. I spoke to you know the people who run the facilities and said, what are the problems? And they all agree that they're severely underfunded. Um, they're mostly ignored. Also, I think one of the huge issues is that in schools, we aren't hitting students uh, with early intervention. And I know a lot of parents you know, will, will shiver at the of of the notion that they, you know, the 13 year old or the 14 year old might be taught about, you know, these side effects of, of, you know, shooting up heroin or other drugs. And, uh, and, but I think it needs to be done because we have to face the facts. We, we are living in an epidemic in, in Brooklyn and our neighbor, Staten Island. Now, you know, you mentioned these um, shooting facilities. Um, we actually did a sh an episode of one of our podcasts about those shooting facilities and, you know, being someone who thinks that adults should be able to do whatever they want with their bodies, I, I kind of feel like if there's going to be um, drug use, and I really think that's just going to be how it is, um, having a place where people can be insured not to die is probably a good thing. What is it about it that you oppose? Well, I oppose that they want to put it, they, they don't really know where they're going to put it. Um, so the prospect is that it could be near schools. Uh, which is a huge issue that I have. It could be in, you know, right in the smack in the middle of residential neighborhoods. 
Um, another issue I have is that I understand what you're saying as far as people should be able to do with their body and to a certain extent. Uh, okay. Um, but there is an epidemic. People are dying. And this was Mayor de Blasio's way to say, oh, I'm going to fix the problem. Don't worry about it. Instead of getting them the help they need and, and the funding they need in rehabilitation centers, I, I don't think um, his his way of fixing this problem is adequate at all. Okay, so it's not actually the the concept that you oppose. It's more where it's located and how it's operated. I, well, I just don't think it's it's a way to solve a problem. Like I said, there's an epidemic. People are dying. Uh, we have to get them help, and that's the pro I think the proper way to get them help is to make sure that the rehabilitation programs that are are in our neighborhoods, in our communities, where people are running to for help because there's a problem and they know they have a problem and they are afraid of dying, they don't get turned away. And that seems to be what's happening is they're actually getting turned away because they don't have the space for them. Okay, that's interesting. That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say, though, that people are coming to seek help and they're being turned away. Because what I always hear is that the people aren't seeking help. Um, and that's why the shooting facilities are so important because they're, they haven't figured out yet that they need to really have help. So you're saying that they're coming to get help and because there's not adequate resources, they're being turned away? Absolutely. Yeah, it's happening. I mean, they're not being turned away back into the street, but they're they're being sent to other hospitals where they don't know if they're going to get the proper care or if they're just, you know, going to be sent to a hospital when they need Narcan or something like that. Um, but I mean, funding funding for these programs is a huge problem. And uh, and, you know, that's that's why I'm that's why I'm running it. Like I said, it's the reason I got into politics. One of my one of my best friends actually succumbed to uh, to heroin and the heroin overdose about uh, about two years ago. And it was an eye opener uh, because this was a pro person that we didn't know had a problem, but he did have a problem, and eventually he succumbed to it. And if uh, and you know if we did know, and if we uh, if we didn't know where to send him or knew that he was going to get help at a facility, we would have put him there. Yeah, I, I, I it, we have a big issue here in California about with homelessness, and in fact, you know, I'm in Orange County, and there's a federal lawsuit going on here where there's a judge overseeing the whole process and. Uh, it was brought by some attorneys from the ACLU representing some homeless people who had been living like in a, well, they call it a riverbed, but really it's just a giant cement aqueduct, right? And um, they were living in the riverbed and then they were getting evicted from there. And so these people brought this lawsuit and it's caused all these cities to get into an uproar. And of course the citizens, they, you know, they don't want a homeless shelter anywhere near their homes. Uh, they don't want any of that. Um, so it's it's similar to what you're talking about. And, you know, they make the same excuses that, you know, people, they don't want help. You know, they don't want help, so why are we going to bother? But that's the question, though. How do you take, how do you envision taking people who have a drug abuse issue and making them get help? Well, it's the first step is actually admitting that you do need help. You know, it's impossible to help somebody who doesn't tell you they have a problem. I'm not going to say that we're all Superman here and we can see through things. Um, but obviously the people that do want and desire help need to be helped. Okay. That, that makes more sense to me because it was sounding a little bit like there was going to be some way to force them to get help. And I mean, that's one of the things that they're talking about here with the homeless with a lot of, um, mentally ill homeless. And so they want to start using conservatorships and it makes me cringe because, you know, what stops, uh, you know, uh, 
disgruntled family member from filing papers that then gets this person locked up in an institution. Um, and I mean, I'm not for that. That's for sure. So, okay, well, that that's very interesting. So, like, how what does it typically cost to um, to win a seat like this? Um, listen, uh, the cost is cost to me is secondary. Um, you need you need to be a hardworking candidate. You need to be someone who's ready to door knock. You know, five, six, seven hours a day. You need to you need to have a team of volunteers that are ready to hit the train stations, the bus stops, to walk with you to to almost sell your message better than you can sell your own message. Um, I announced that I was running about a month ago, and it's it's early, and people people said, "Why are you doing this so early? Why are you tipping your hand?" Um, but anyone who knows me in in the fact that I lost in 2017, I started campaigning the day after I lost. You know, um, they knew I had a fire and a desire to to continue running um, and to to run and fight for what I stand for. And a lot of people were excited when I announced, and I've already gotten dozens of people, m- multiple. Um, people that reached out to me and said, we want to work on the campaign. We don't care what it takes. We want to volunteer. Um, people have already said, you know, we'll, we're willing to donate to your campaign where we support you hundred percent. So listen, money is secondary. Am I looking to raise a good amount of money? Of course. And I think I will have that support. Um, but the volunteers and the people that are already coming out and in support of the campaign has been absolutely amazing. So two years ago you ran for city council and now you're running for state assembly. Was there any kind of strategy there or did it just happen that way because you didn't win the city council election? No, I definitely looked at the city council seat. That's every four years. It's uh, it's in 2021. Um, but I felt that I knew the assembly district slightly better than I knew the city council district. Um, for those, I mean, I don't know if you, you know our neighborhoods here in Brooklyn, um, but the assembly district is a little smaller than the city council in you know square footage. And the assembly district is is more geared towards the people I know, the people I understand, you know, the community I grew up in, where the city council seat's a little bit larger. And while I do know the area of like Coney Island, you know, I didn't, I didn't grow up in Coney Island. I grew up in Gravesend and Bensonhurst and, you know, Diker Heights and Bath Beach. And those are the neighborhoods that the assembly district represents. So it'd be hard for me to walk into Coney Island and say, I understand what your problems are because, you know, I can, I can do it through word of mouth, but I really need to see it. I really need to feel it and, and be able to gravitate towards helping those people. Well, that's interesting that it's a small, it's the opposite here. Our assembly seats are mm, maybe four cities combined. Um, so how many, approximately how many assembly members are there in New York? I believe, believe we're at 62. Okay. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Cause like I say here, it's the opposite. The, the assembly is much, much larger um, even like oh, well, you know what? I, I'm just talking about like New York City itself. Sure. But, I mean, New York State is there's hundreds. Oh no, sure, no, I understand. Yeah, but that's you know 66 for a city that size. I mean, I think I think the city of Los Angeles is represented by two assembly members, and it's pretty much the same size as New York City. So that's sort of interesting to me. Um, but I think that's one of the cool things about our country is that we have diversity. And in every way. So, you know, while the system is similar, um, there's differences like this. And it makes it very interesting when you talk to people from other states to find out what exactly the differences are uh, and then see how that affects. Because sometimes, you you know, you need change and how someone else does it in another state is better 
And so you got to have an open mind and, and be willing to look at that. So like, tell me a little bit, you know, I read your article on medium about how you became a Republican. Why don't you, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about that story? And um, then we can maybe kind of go down that pathway a little bit. Sure. So yeah, that was, that was really a fun article to write. Uh, medium is a really cool site, by the way, not to, not to plug them, but, uh, but I will, where you kind of have like a, like a free pathway to just say whatever you want. Uh, it's an open blog site. You can post your article. Uh, no one can comment on it, uh, which I don't really appreciate. I like people telling me I'm dumb or I'm really smart and whatever. I'll go back and forth with those people all day. Like I do on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, but yeah, so, so getting back to the article, um, I think I, I laid out pretty clearly, I, you know, living in New York state, being 18 years old, being told you have to register to vote. And in 2008, I mean, we were approaching a historic election uh, where, you know, Barack Obama would potentially and eventually become the first black president. Um, so I thought I, I had no choice. I had a registered Democrat. I mean, that's what was acceptable in New York and Republicans were few and far between. And and my one reason for possibly registering as a Republican was the fact that my favorite rapper, Jay-Z, uh, made a song called Black Republican with Nas. And, and you know, Kanye West talked about possibly being a Republican back then. Um, but eventually, you know, you watch uh, you watch David Letterman and you, you know, you're flipping through CNN and NBC and they're making fun of uh, how George Bush was president and the things he did. And, you know, eventually you just become a Democrat. Um, did I think like, oh, I'm a Democrat. I'm just going to follow Democratic policies. No, I just registered as that. Um, I think I, I said in the article, I voted for, uh, for Bill Barr for president. Once I, I looked at the issues and said, I really need to make a conscious decision between John McCain and Barack Obama. And I couldn't make a conscious decision between the both of them. Um, but where it really started aggravating me at what the Democrats were doing were all the extracurricular stuff. And it, it continues into today and it's getting even more far left and they're getting even uh, more ridiculous with some of their policies where it's like, hey, um, you know, transgender people, it's like, yeah, fine. Like, you, you want to be transgender. Okay, do what you got to do. I just don't want to pay for it, but just do what you got to do. Yeah, we want uh, men to who think they're women to be able to use the women's bathroom. Uh, that makes no sense. I'm, I'm not okay with that. I want logic. There's a male and there's a female. And those are two separate things. And science, thankfully, has taught us that. Um, but, I mean, other issues, too. The fact that in New York City especially, there is a war against the police. And... Uh, and they have not taken the side of the police and they're coming off as as anti-cop. Uh, they're coming off as anti-logic. And right now they're coming off as anti-American. Um, I made the switch to Republican a couple of years back when I actually I actually had to look it up. Like, what am I actually what did I register as? I'm pretty sure it was a Democrat. And I was like, oh, crap, uh, I got to make the switch now because I realized that my ideology is more aligned with the, with the GOP and the Republican Party than it is the Democratic Party. You can have fundamental issues. Um, I'll, I'll debate guns with you all day. I'll debate abortion with you all day. But the extracurricular stuff is really set, like what, what made me say, like, I, I cannot be a far left you know, Democrat. I just can't do it. I cannot be a Democrat because the party itself needs to just be restructured. Uh, they're letting, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez here in Queens, who's like in Queens, who's now the superstar of their party. Uh, dictate their philosophies. I mean, she just lost us Amazon. You know, New York City is for me, and I understand California is great. Uh, I'm sure it is. I've never been there, but it's fantastic. Um, New York City is is the capital of the world. The fact that we cannot get one of the biggest technology companies of modern day history to agree to want to come here, be excited about coming here, is really scary. And 
I think they said it best. They said that they did. They felt they did not have the support of the politicians. It lost us 25,000 immediate jobs, probably another 75,000 jobs around the area. Uh, it killed the real, you know, killed real estate here in, in Long Island City and Queens, and it would have affected the areas around it. Um, companies that rely on Amazon to do their shipping. I know many people who own businesses and they rely heavily on Amazon to do their shipping are very disappointed because they felt that reduced shipping costs was actually going to help them. Um, so their their philosophies right now, they 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 got to get it together. And it's not a warning because, hey, I'm a Republican and I want to win as a Republican. But I mean, we need to get back to fundamental issues. We need to stop talking about, you know, bathrooms and, and uh, you know, how many how many categories we're going to have on a birth certificate now are you going to be able to be you know a z or a y or can you classify yourself as an animal i don't know what's next non-binary that's the new thing um i found your article interesting in that you talked about you know what what really influenced you as you said was your favorite rapper and um your your mom and your grandparents and what i find interesting about that is that that's typically what happens um, is, you know, our children and our children's children, they look up to us and they go down a path based on, you know, where we've gone. But what I found really intriguing though, is that, you know, you did that. And then over time you completely changed the directions. I mean, for me, I started out when I was 18, I registered as a Republican and that only lasted maybe eight years. Um, and then I was a no party preference. And then about oh, six years ago, I, I switched to be a libertarian, but it's mainly because I saw just like you're talking about, my ideology was more in line with libertarians. And I wonder sometimes if, you know, if more people would do what you did and realize that, oops, I made a mistake. I love when you said I had to check to see what I was registered. And when I realized I was a Democrat, I was like, Oh, and you know, that doesn't fit because not enough people do that. Um, they don't. They don't look at what their true beliefs are and then align themselves. They they kind of stay with where their family was and they they vote behind the scenes. How do you feel about that? Like like you you say you're a Democrat, let's say, but you're but you're more aligned with Republicans, and because of family, you stay a Democrat, but in secret, you're voting Republican. How do you feel about that? Well, I think it's wrong. I think you got to be true to yourself at the end of the day. And I, and I also feel that what a lot of people do is, uh, is they find a politician they like, they idealize them, and they sort of form their opinions based on the politician's opinion. Or it may not even be a politician. It may be a public figure that is very uh, politically outspoken. Uh, now, today, as you know, you, you watch your Grammy Awards and, and you know, 10% of the people are singing and then the other 90% are talking about politics. And you sort of, you know, you formulate opinions based on what other people are doing. And that's wrong. And I took a step back and I looked up what the GOP policies were. I looked up what the you know Democratic policies were. And I felt that was more aligned with the GOP. I think if more people just, just take a step back, calm down for a second, you're not a racist or a sexist or a misogynist because you're a registered Republican and you're not a loony left-wing liberal if you register as a Democrat. Just sit back, look at what the fundamental policies are, um, look at what the fundamental talking points are of your party and see if you align yourself w with either one. And if you don't, you know, register as, as no party or register like you did as a libertarian. It's 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 a brave thing to do. You, you know, it's America would be. a. I remember America being a lot better of a place. And I was taught in school and I'm sure you were, too. I think you're a little older than I am. Um, don't talk about who you're voting for. Like that is taboo. 
And I think today we're also politically outspoken and we're afraid to really say what we believe because of the backlash. And a lot of people are phony and a lot of people are fake. And you may be a registered Dem and you're voting as a Republican or in some states you may be a registered Republican, but you realize that, you know, the Democratic policies help you a little bit better and you, you vote Democratic. But if you just take a step back, look at the fundamental policies and if you agree with them, register with the party. It's what I did and it's what I you know encourage a lot of people to do. Yeah, I agree with you. I think for me, I've always been that person that I look at who I think is the best person for the job and I don't and I try not to pay attention to what party they're in. Um and I think what amuses me is since Donald Trump was elected, you there's such polarized there's such polarization because you you know, especially you mentioned, you know, having discussions on Facebook and I found right away after the election that if you know, people people love to talk and they repeat things that have already been proven false. And I'm, as you get to know me, I'm really big on the truth. So uh, I don't care if you're Republican, Democrat, no party preference. If if somebody says something about you and it's not true, I'm going to speak up and say something about it. But what immediately happens is you're, you know, they say something about Donald Trump that's not true. I say, hey, that was proven not true and then they immediately say oh you're a trump supporter and that gives me a laugh because you know i didn't vote for donald trump i didn't vote for hillary clinton um and the other part of that is when you tell them your third party then they blame you for who got elected as though you know the assumption would be okay if you're if you were to say to me oh it's your fault that donald trump got elected uh you're assuming that i would have voted for hillary clinton and that's just not true. So I, I get a kick out of that stuff. Um, I think that the you're right. I think back, I mean, I'm definitely a lot older than you, actually. And I think that, you know, back in the day, you, people didn't talk about these things mainly because they didn't want other people influencing them. And I think, unfortunately, that's what's occurred now with social media is people are giving other people multiple votes by just listening okay. to what they say and voting. Definitely. And I think that's that's a really um, bad idea because I, I have this conversation all the time with people that if your neighbor across the hall, if there's 10 people in your apartment building and your neighbor convinces all 10 people to vote their way, well, they just got 10 votes. Right. And we're supposed to vote individually. And I mean, that's why we vote in secret, et cetera. Um, it's huge. But, but so, okay. Um, you mentioned in something that I read that you did vote for, for Donald Trump. How do you feel about that now? Sure. I'm, I'm happy to, to vote. I was happy to vote for Donald Trump. I still support Donald Trump. And there's a couple, there's a couple reasons why. And I'll tell you how I even, uh, how I go about that now as I'm running for public office and, you know, deep blue New York's, you know, New York right. state. Um, I felt my vote for Donald Trump was a vote for Donald Trump. Um, but it was also an anti-Hillary Clinton vote. I felt that she was a terrible, I still feel today that she is a terrible human being. I feel that she let our troops down in Benghazi. Uh, I feel that she had no real message at the end of the day, and it was just constantly pander, 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 um, and that she wasn't going to be a good president. And the most important thing is I felt that she did not have Americans' best interest in mind. And a lot of people feel that way about Donald Trump. They thought that he was running for president so that one day he can write a book or make a really cool reality TV show. Who knows? He might have he might have started off doing that. But I felt that his policies uh, were, you know, were geared towards helping our country. And I still feel that he's doing that. Um, 
a lot of people are against the border wall. I am for a border wall. I mean, when we hear about, you know, how many drugs are being poured into our border, um, you know, how many, you know, 70% of women that try to cross the border are raped. And this was in an article, you know, by the Washington Post. It's, it's 100% accurate. Um, so I do feel that we do need a border wall. I feel that he was better for the economy. I still think he's better for the economy. I feel like he's bringing manufacturing jobs back to New York. And I'm honestly, I'm still happy to support him. And unless the Democrats can blow me away with a with a centrist candidate who still uh, promotes American pride in being an American, uh, then I will vote for Donald Trump. It'll be very hard to, to pull me away from Donald Trump. Um, how does that go over with New Yorkers, though, or voters that I talk to? Uh, it's mixed feelings. Uh, Donald Trump, in my district specifically, got almost 50 percent of the vote. I believe he got 45 percent of the vote. Um, so it is a district that, that did vote for Donald Trump. Um, the polls in the district that are, you know, people are still happy to support Donald Trump. A couple of people have fell off and he's gained a couple of new supporters. I think the baseline vote in 2020 will be about the same. It'll, you know, garner close to 50 percent of the vote, which obviously, you know, can help or hurt me depending on which way it goes. But I when I speak to voters, uh, one of the first questions they ask me is if I if I voted for Donald Trump and I, if I support Donald Trump, did I vote for Donald Trump? Absolutely. Do I support Donald Trump? Yes. More importantly, I support the president of the United States. If it was going to be President Hillary Clinton, I would support President Hillary Clinton. I would pray and hope that she does a good job because that means I do a good job. That means it helps me. That means it helps my constituents. Um, I don't care who it would have been, Bernie Sanders. I don't care if it was Gary Johnson. I, I support the president of the United States. I support the office more than anything else. And what I like to tell people is while you're very concerned about what's going on in Washington, I'm running for local office. I can't, I cannot stop or build a border wall. But what I could do is help you with problems that are happening outside your door. Um, I might be able to to better the life of your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your neighbors, whoever you care about, your animals. I don't care. Um, so I, I try to you know keep voters focused on local issues, and I think that's extremely important. Everybody's very succumbed uh, to what's going on in D.C., and we're we're lacking uh, the the importance of of standing up for local issues. So. I want to probe two small things and then we'll wrap up here because uh, it's getting a little long, but um, I've enjoyed this conversation a lot and I hope you'll come back on. I think, you know, if you're not, if your election isn't until 2020, you've got about a year and a half before um, the election. Maybe you can come on a few more times and we, we can talk about other topics. You, you call, you have my number, my friend. Yes. I will be there. Awesome. That's great. So, so tell me, how do you feel though about, the obvious blatant dishonesty that goes on when um, dealing with Donald Trump? Or do you um, even disagree with that statement, maybe? No, I think there... I, CNN can talk about the same thing that Fox News is talking about, and they can spin it completely two different ways. Um, no one reports on the news anymore. They just give you their opinion. I don't watch CNN for that. I don't watch Fox News for that. I want to hear the news. I want to hear about what's going on. I don't want to hear what Don Lemon thinks. And I don't want to hear what Sean Hannity thinks, frankly. Do I watch a little bit more Hannity than I do Lemon? Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm a Republican. I, I'm going to sure. agree more with Hannity than I do Lemon. Um, but, I mean, we're seeing it right now, what's going on with uh, the actor from Empire. What's his name? Uh, Juicy Sm Smollett? Yeah. I mean – what a what a plan to conjure up there and just think that this would work and this would uh, this I mean what he was doing was race baiting and and racial dividing us um, because it was a big it was a big thing and when it happened and people thought that it was two people in MAGA hats and they were beating this guy up because based on his sexual orientation and the fact that he was black 
It was all over CNN. Um, and now that it's come out that it's 100% fabricated and false, it's all over Fox News and it's not on CNN anymore. Exactly. Uh, so that just goes to show you how the media just drives people crazy. And if you buy into it, you're bound to go nuts. You know, a funny thing, what I do on a daily basis is I, uh, I go to CNN for a few seconds to see what, just kind of scan what the headlines are, because that tells me kind of a pulse on, you know, is, is Trump accomplishing something big at the moment or not? Because when he's not, they're very, very quiet. Uh, but when he is, they have all sorts of things to say, and there's a lot of opinion pieces. And you're absolutely right. I, I tell people these days I don't trust the news media at all. I have a, a friend, she's, she's 10 years older than me, but she insists that this is how it's always been. And I told her, no way, you're, I don't know what you're remembering, but uh, I mean, I can remember things not being reported because they couldn't verify the truth or falsity of it. And nowadays, good times. Good times. Yeah, nowadays it's like they hear something, they report it. Um, look at the. Do you recall recently the um, the kids in the MAGA hats and the um, and the older gentleman and they had the they had the conflict and it yeah, was on video and right away um, you know CNN is reporting how horrible those kids are and then it actually turns out that that's not the real story. Um, and I feel like you're right. If it was the way it was when I was a kid, they would have investigated to find out if it was true. And then they would have re reported what the truth was. And that's why, imagine, because, you know, I'm 54 years old. So I'm trying to think here. 30, let's say 36 years ago when I was 18. Back then, if a story like that came out, and let's say the internet was the way it is now, and I went to Google, what I would have seen was CBS, ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox. They all report the same thing. I can Definitely. go to, I can go, and then what I would do is, yeah, such and such news agency is a little more conservative, and maybe I am, so I'm going to read more of that. But for the most part, the news was sort of in the middle. Now, we got news that's way far to the right and news that's way far to the left, and unfortunately, those that are on the fringe, um, they make things up, and it's all about ratings and, and sensationalism and trying to, you know, sell movies and books rather than telling us the truth. And uh, I'm sure you're going to see this as you're campaigning. You probably saw it when you're campaigning for city council, but you can meet five people and talk to them about some issue that's gone on and you're going to get five completely different takes on what's going on because they've gotten their information from five completely different sources. It's, it's asinine. I mean, it's totally asinine how... The news, you can't even call them news media anymore. They're entertainment media is what they really are. Um, so the second thing I was going to say to you to delve into, so that's interesting. You you acknowledge that there's some dishonesty going on there. But how do you think that compares to previous presidents? Obviously, it wasn't as in your face. But do you think maybe they were just as dishonest at times? Of course. I mean, but Donald Trump is, is Donald Trump. I mean, he's a polarizing, he's a celebrity at the end of the day. He's a polarizing figure uh, who, who ended up becoming president of the United States. I mean, you know, we can't act like rappers weren't making songs about Donald Trump and they loved Donald Trump, you know, 10 years ago. And, you know, he had the show, The Apprentice. And, you know, all we used to talk about was his hair back then. Those were good times. Now nobody mentions his hair, by the way. Um, but yeah, obviously he, 
you know, he came out of the he came out of the box with this campaign, and he just he said we're going to build a border wall, and Mexico is going to pay for it. And people were like, "What? What? What are you talking about?" And he started his campaign off like that, and he, his, you know, his 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 fame shot up even more than it was. Um, so I think people people take that, and they know because it's Donald Trump he, that they're going to get ratings, and they just constantly talk about him. And I mean, yeah, obviously you didn't see that with just the typical politicians. And and one thing I can appreciate Donald Trump is when he, you know, when he calls BS, he says it right to your face. And other politicians, they might, you know, tiptoe around the question and they do it very professionally and very eloquently. And then, in, you know, in the back room, they're saying like, no, we're not going to do that. It's BS. Where Donald Trump will just tell you to your face, I'm not doing that. So, you know, I can appreciate the way uh, the way Donald Trump governs. I can appreciate, you know, what he's done as president so far. And I can just appreciate with him being uh, honest with us so far. Yeah, I think for me, I'm going to go be bold and make a prediction here. Uh, I think that unless the Democrats come up with a miracle candidate, he will be reelected. Um, I don't, you know, we, we proved something in the last election. Polls are meaningless. You you had Hillary Clinton, you know, they had anointed her the president. And it's why she took till the next day to come out and make public statements. She was shocked. She believed the polls. Um, there's a lot of people to this day, you know, I keep hearing the whole, oh, you know, she won the popular vote. Well, but those weren't the rules. It's like, it'd be like if you were playing football and suddenly mid-game they changed the rules. You're- Mike, I, I have the text messages saved on my phone from about a week before election day. And my friends were telling me, Trump is done, America's done. They were they were bringing up polls, 95% Hillary, 98% yeah. Hillary. And yeah. I said, hey, one thing that these people who are just, you know, at the Huff Post, they're basically just sitting in a boardroom and they're looking at each other and they're like, yeah, you feeling, you know, like you feeling what I'm feeling? Yeah, Hillary's gonna win. And that's great. But you can't tell me that when Trump was having rallies with 50,000 people inside and another 75,000 outside and Hillary couldn't fill up a Nathan's. I don't know if you even know what Nathan's is. Yeah. That's a Brooklyn thing. Or McDonald's, I'll say. She couldn't even fill up a McDonald's playroom, for God's sakes. Um, so, I mean, they were talking to Americans. I didn't get a phone call. I, I vote every election. Yeah. You yeah. didn't ask me who I was voting for. Who are you, who are you talking to? Me you either. Know? Me either. And it's and it's all about how they word the question. But, but before we go, you know, you... You, you brought up a point that I wanted to throw out there because I find it funny. You know that Bill and Hillary went on a speaking tour of of Canada, right? Did I didn't know that. know that. No, I don't, actually, yeah, went, I'm so, I'm so happy they say, lost because I, I tell people, who's Hillary? I have no idea who that is. I know who Bill is. He was a former president, but I have no idea who Hillary is. It, it comes down to they tried to do a speaking tour of Canada. And I, the reason I'm amused by it, my wife is Canadian. And um, she told me, you know, they don't really like her. Um, and it proved it because she could not fill a school gymnasium. It got so bad that they put the tickets on Groupon two for one, and they so still happy. and they still couldn't sell them. So they ended their speaking to her because I'm nobody so cares what she has to say. I am no. too. I think I really. It's funny, but she's one person I've come across in my lifetime that I just don't like her. Uh, there's there's so many, and, and it's not. A personality thing. I don't like anything she stands for. I don't like the things that come out of her mouth. I, I just don't like anything about her. And I actually will say, I'll go on record as saying that when you know Bill Clinton was president, he did some good things. He was a decent president. 
Uh, he made some bad uh, personal choices, but he was a decent president. His wife, though, crazy, just completely crazy and out of touch with reality. So, you know. Luckily, America agreed with you. Yeah, thank God for that, right? So anyway, Ray, why don't you tell people where they can find you and potentially get in touch with you? You know, if you have a place for donations, let us know that as well. Sure. So uh, the committee actually opened up this week. Uh, it takes a little while to get the paperwork done in Albany, but I, I will have a link shortly uh, with a place you can make donations. And, and anything from you know $10 to whatever you can give is strongly and greatly appreciated. Uh, on Facebook, I believe my Facebook link is Denaro, my last name, Ray, my first name on Facebook. Well, you could just type in Ray Denaro. I'll come up. Uh, on Twitter, I am, I'm looking it up right now because I don't remember my Twitter handle. I am at Ray DeNaro, so it's R A Y D E N A R O on Twitter, and and I'll you know I'll retweet this page of course, and this uh, this interview when we're done, and on Instagram I am Ray the number four New York. Awesome, awesome. Well, I encourage people to get to know you. If you're, I know I have some listeners in New York, so if if you're listening and you're from New York, definitely throw some support behind my friend here. He's um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with everything that he said today, but I definitely agree with the majority of it. And, um, I think he's got the right attitude. His heart's in the right place. And, you know, I'm, I don't usually say this, but I think he deserves your vote, especially if there's been someone sitting in that office for as many years. That's just crazy. It's time. It's time for a change. My campaign slogan is people over politics. Nice. Because it's about time that the people elected somebody over just an old career politician. And not old in the sense of age, just the same old story, the same old rubber stamp vote, and the same old complacency. Nice, nice, nice. Well, I will definitely have you come back on. And um, I just want to tell everybody that if you want to learn about personal liberty, you can go to yogispodcastnetwork.com forward slash liberty revealed and you can get a copy of my free ebook that talks about personal liberty it has pictures to give examples of the of the two sides of the coin and um real easy to understand and you know get involved in your communities i encourage you to do that if you're if you're republican help out republican candidates if you're libertarian help out libertarian candidates etc just get involved and um, thanks again, Ray. It's been, it's been great talking to you. You too, my friend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Liberty Revealed, the show where you learn about all things liberty. Please visit the show's website at yogispodcastnetwork.com backslash LR, where you can reach out to Mike directly with your questions and comments. Again, that is yogispodcastnetwork.com backslash LR.